Welcome to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the executive director of an apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ in the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. You can find this podcast as well as helpful articles, videos, and other materials on our website, which is utgatwork.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting sites. This weekend we celebrate the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit will there be for one who gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Life is full of ups and downs. We can experience great joy in one moment, and then great sadness just a little while later. There's a phrase that I like that drives this point home for me. Some days you're the statue, and some days you're the pigeon. Sometimes I think that the down days are God's way of keeping us humble. I don't know about you, but for me it seems like every time I start to feel like I'm on top of things, something comes along to remind me that it's actually God who's on top of things. I'm nothing more than his instrument, and I can accomplish nothing without him. St. Paul talks about something like this in Second Corinthians. He says, That I may not become too elated, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I would rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses, in order that the power of Christ may dwell within me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's my belief that we all experience this in one way or another. We may not see it as something divine, but we all have our highs and our lows. Our lows keep us humble. They keep us grounded. Dear St. Peter experienced this as well, only he experienced both his high and his low from the mouth of the Son of God and in very short order. Think back to last week's Gospel when Jesus said this to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What a high that must have been for Peter. He was the rock upon which the Son of God would build his church. That was from Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 to 20. Today's gospel picks up right where last week's gospel ended, with Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. But now Jesus compares Peter to Satan. That's quite a turn of events, eh? I've always believed that Jesus is the supreme model of what it means to be a leader. 
He simply spoke truth, and he didn't mince words so that he could play favorites. How I've wished that my leaders in the workplace would have done the same for me. If someone's right, tell them. And if they're wrong, call them out. But do it with love, and do it because you want what's best for them as people. Don't react to your people based on corporate politics or your own career ambitions. So, why did Jesus react the way he did to Peter in these two circumstances? There must be something going on here that's worth our understanding, so let's delve into that just a bit. When Simon confessed that Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus renamed him Peter, which means rock, and he went on to say that Peter would be the very rock upon which his church would be built. But he said something else that was very important. He told Peter that his understanding of Jesus as the Christ came not from his own deduction, but rather it was revealed to him by his heavenly Father. So in this instance, Peter was not speaking for himself. Rather, he was opening himself up to the promptings of God, and he said what he was inspired to say. Now, look back again at today's gospel where Jesus tells Peter that he is an obstacle to him. Now, the word obstacle is perhaps not the best translation for this passage. A better translation would be stumbling stone. In fact, some translations of the Bible call it out just as such. So Jesus was once again referring to Peter as a rock of sorts, only this time he's not the rock upon which great things will happen, but rather a stone which has the potential to trip Jesus up. So what's the difference between the rock reference that came first and that which came second? It's clearly found in the difference between what drove or motivated or inspired the comment. Notice how Jesus addresses Peter in today's gospel. He tells him, you are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. When Peter's words were inspired by God, he spoke in support of the mission of the Son of God. But when he spoke of his own accord, he became an obstacle to Jesus' mission. So the difference between Peter being a foundational rock and a stumbling stone is found in what motivated the comment. If he spoke what he heard from God, he was a rock. If he spoke from his own selfish desires, he was a stumbling stone. And this very same concept applies to you and me as well. When we allow the Lord to work through us, we can do great things in support of his commission to go and make disciples. But when we allow ourselves to think and act in ways that are not of God, we can quickly become an obstacle to that same commission. What's really fascinating is that the further we move away from the truth of God, the more we find ourselves believing that we are correct. So often, people steeped in sin will begin over time to justify their actions in their own mind, thinking that if it appeals to their human senses and makes them feel good, how could it be wrong? Peter's desire to keep the Lord from suffering no doubt brought him a sense of satisfaction. After all, he was just given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, so he was inclined to declare that Jesus wasn't going to suffer. Perhaps he felt strong or powerful, maybe even a bit macho as he declared that there was no way this was going to happen on his watch. But had he stopped and spent some time in prayer, he would have realized that if he had just declared Jesus to be the Son of God, who was he now to correct him, to try to take him off his intended course? Had he prayed about it, he would have been inclined to hold back his human feelings and would have given in to the will of God. But he didn't pray about it. He simply reacted from his human emotion, and Jesus called him out for it. So the question to ponder this week is, are you a rock for Jesus, or are you a stumbling stone? The difference between the two is prayer. Do you take the time to really pray about things, or do you simply react? Now, I have no data to support what I believe to be true here, other than my own experiences talking to people in my 10 years as a deacon. But it's my belief that only a relatively small percentage of my brother and sister Catholics and Christians pray regularly about how they should go about living their lives. 
And I would further propose that of those who do pray for direction, only a subset of them pray for direction in matters that they face in the workplace. This is unfortunate. Before he ascended into heaven, Jesus told us, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows it. But you know it, because it remains with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is alive and well today, and he will answer if you're willing to ask for his direction in prayer. He'll answer not only when you're sitting in church, but also when you're at home, at school, and in the workplace. In his pastoral letter, Unleash the Gospel, the very thing which brought about this apostolate of UTG at work, Detroit Archbishop Alan Vigneron lists the good and bad habits which he says affect our witness to Christ and help us to identify both what has to change and what we are called to become. One of the good habits that he calls out is docility to the Spirit, which he defines as follows. Throughout Acts, it is evident that the Holy Spirit was the initiator, the guide, and the driving force of the Church's evangelizing mission. So today, the new evangelization can only be carried out through a radical openness to the leading of the Spirit, preceding every initiative with prayer for His guidance, constantly allowing ourselves to be led by Him and obeying His promptings and inspirations. Docility to the Holy Spirit is what separates the rocks from the stumbling stones. People who are well-intended, even passionate about their beliefs, can be misguided. Passion doesn't make something right, it only makes it more intense whether that intensity is correctly aligned or significantly off-base. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1768, says this, Strong feelings are not decisive for the morality or holiness of persons. They are simply the inexhaustible reservoir of images and affections in which the moral life is expressed. We live in a world where passion about a topic is seen as a way of gauging the degree to which it must be true. Why? because our world has lost the ability to define right from wrong. We've lost our understanding of sin. So many people are guided by what they feel rather than by truth. And if the only thing we know to be true is what we feel, then the more we feel it, the more it must be true. Hence, if someone expresses passion about something they believe, then it must really be true. This way of thinking is quite problematic. It feeds the whole idea of relativism, where you live your truth and I live mine. In this circumstance, there can be no absolute truths, and so there can be no sin. But I suppose that now I've wandered down the path a bit too far, so I'll cut that thought and get back to prayer. We need to be people of prayer. We cannot just jump into significant decisions, even decisions at work, without seeking the guidance of the very helper that Jesus assured us would be there for us. The Holy Spirit doesn't need an ID badge to get into your workplace. He's already there. He's with you at your desk, in your meetings, in your home office. He stands by, waiting for you to ask for his help. If you are maybe a little bit uncomfortable with praying for his help, don't worry. He understands you better than you do. Just pause for a moment and speak with him. Tell him that you need his help, his guidance. Tell him that you aren't really sure of the best way to ask for it, but that you're asking as best you know how, and he will respond. It may be as clear as a direction that jumps into your mind, or it may be as vague as a feeling in your gut. But when you hear his direction, follow it. And when you do, you'll be a rock for Jesus and not a stumbling stone. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. 
If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.